back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, your bi-weekly book club podcast, where we are going through our 2019 book challenge list. I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Stephanie Cortez. How are you doing? Doing well. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I'm good. I don't know why I just suddenly, like, forgot what we're doing this year. It's not like <laughs> we're close enough to start planning next year or anything. <laughs> oh. How's the weather treating you up there? It's warm and I'm just ready for fall. I mean, I kind of want to go to the beach one day, but I just prefer fall weather. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm kind of over it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it breaks quickly. I'm still trying to decide if Christopher Pike's still alive. I think he is. We started talking about it before we started recording, and uh, he's only 63, so he hasn't... Okay, he did update something on Facebook March 4th. Okay. Because I would say, if his wiki page doesn't have it, he's definitely alive, because people update that thing, like, as soon as somebody dies. But because Christopher Pike's a pen name, I'm just really Mm. worried. So, if you know out there, please let me know. Oh my god, (laughs) Stephanie, he's born in New York. We could totally do him later this season. (gasps) We can make this happen. Yes. Alright, now I have to find the book. (laughs) It's the little things in life. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, so before we get into our deeply dark and gothic discussion of Rebecca, you were going to read um, a book uh, for your trip coming up. Yeah, I am the worst. I have not finished it. <laughs> That's okay. I, it was long. You said it was like it over 500 long, yeah. pages. And I've been super lazy because I got that new job and I've just been like mentally celebrating that. <laughs> <laughs> we also had 4th of July between yeah. episodes. and. But as I'm going to finish it this week. Yes, and Stranger Things <laughs> did watch all of that. Um, so I'm most likely going to finish it this weekend because we are driving down to Pennsylvania and Chris usually does all the driving. So Very I'll have nice. plenty of reading time. So you don't get car sick? You're one of those lucky ones that can read in cars? Usually, yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, We'll see how it goes. Because when I was a kid, I remember reading in the car all the time. But I remember I had this one comic book. Something about that the material that that was made of, it was very, very glossy. And that always made me sick. But my other comics that were more papery, if that makes sense, did not make me car sick. And then books didn't either. Interesting. Yeah. But if for some reason I get car sick, I do have an, I have some audiobooks saved that I could do. Perfect. And I want to get that magazine that has Serena on the cover because she's amazing. Oh yeah, that's right. I need to find yes. that too. I need to go to Barnes and Noble because that's the only place I know that sells magazines that like yeah. all kinds of magazines. Right. A wide oh. selection. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think you were going to read the, f- I can't read my handwriting, the five the- or the fire. I, or... It was the five or Enchante. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I did do Enchante um, mm-hmm. because I guess I was feeling super patriotic and decided to go back to the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Like, so far back. Actually, it was fun because there's mentions of like Thomas Jefferson and um, Lafayette and Ben Franklin in the book because it does take place around our actual American Revolution. Um, it's basically a book that's like, hey, what if history but with magic Mm, okay like some basic (laughs) magic and there's like a really cool discussion of like 
which I mean, if you know anything about French history, like the one of the Louis got really weird about magic and like killed and hung a bunch of people and burned witches and things like that. So like it all kind of fits into that really well. Mm-hmm. And um, how like one of the Louis hired a bunch of mag- magicians to create the palace in Versailles, and that's like when he went crazy and started killing all the magicians. That's when it started fading and becoming like really old and decrepit looking. And so that was really cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it was fine. Nothing like <laughs> super amazing. I've, I've mm-hmm. read too many books, but it was, it was good. <laughs> like, yeah, if you like French history and want to read something that takes place in French history, but also has some magic, I recommend it. Nice. So there's also a lot of me going like fucking communicate. Yeah. <laughs> also ties into our book tonight. What's well, gonna say? <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts about this book. Ugh. Uh so many thoughts what's your cover look like so my cover is red with uh the this like gold very um majestic r and then rebecca and it i mean like as i told you it looks like a soap opera title it card. does it looks mean, like, like satin red satin sheets yes, <laughs> in the background <laughs> yes it looks like a romance book yeah it does so. yes like a steamy yeah romance yeah Yes, like I would almost be embarrassed to read on the subway. But. <laughs> almost. <laughs> What's on your cover? Uh, mine's not as fun. Oh, wow. Yours is really plain. It's, yeah, it's white with Rebecca at the top in like pink lettering, capital letters. And there, it's hard to see in the camera, but there is a big R like embossed in the middle. Like oh, okay. it takes up like this whole section here. Okay. But it's it's not very exciting. It's like, library, you did me so well with Bloody yeah. Chamber. <laughs> That's why they had to make up for that. They were like, we gave you such a great cover last time. Take this plain one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like this one, it's the unsurpassed modern masterpiece of romantic suspense. I'm just like, I know why I didn't read this as a kid or like when I was younger, because it screams women's lit romance, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing, which I guess in kind of some ways it was. That is kind of what Gothic literature was considered. Not by the 1930s, but Mm. whatever. What do you think, though? I loved it. I want to read more gothic literature, and I haven't read anything by this author. I really liked this. Have some feelings, yeah. have some thoughts, but I was yes. loving this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was very good. Um, I, it was surprisingly good, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I expected, but everybody that I talked to that I, you know, it's like, we're reading this. They're like, oh, yeah, once you get started, you're not going to be able to stop. I was like, okay. Yeah, all the people, when you posted on Facebook asking what we should read next, so many people said Rebecca, and I don't think I'd actually heard of it, but I was like, I, this many people are suggesting it, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm not also, I've, I've also not read anything by this author. I know my cousin Rachel, which was also a movie a couple years ago, is by her, but mm-hmm. uh, that's all I really know, um, other than she died in 1989, like shortly after I turned like one. So mm. oh, that's so sad. But um, yeah, I knew it was a gothic book. I don't know if it's because I did my senior thesis on gothic literature. It was in mm. like a class. And I don't know if it was brought up then or if it's because someone read it and told me that. And yet I still was like, eh. but it is very reminiscent of like Victorian gothic. It's it's a young woman who doesn't quite know what's going on. I was really worried we were going to have another bloody chamber on our hand. Yeah, and, uh, as was I. <laughs> and then uh, I was just suspicious of everybody. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Who's actually good here? Right, right. 
but it was also still kind of funny and amusing and i wanted to whack her on the head a few times that's okay um as as did i yes <laughs> uh i did also think it was interesting that we never get her name no not at all like we get it's got to be a foreign name because someone writes her a letter and she's surprised it's spelled right right and when she meets max um he's like oh that's so like exotic mm-hmm but she's British, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I could see I, there's probably so many papers about, like, why the author doesn't have a yeah. name. And it's, you know, because something about the possession of the woman before. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. She is not Rebecca. Rebecca is her husband's first wife. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought she was Rebecca. Yeah, I thought it was going to be about Rebecca. In in a way, in ways it is. But yeah. it's not being told by Rebecca. It's being told by our unnamed narrator, who is... I read, like, the little flap before I started. It talks about her being haunted by the previous uh, wife. And it said... Let me see if I can find it. It's Glamorous Mistress. Uh, her tale, uh, tales deeply moving, weaving together the lives, blah, 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 doom of impending da- disaster and the ecstasy of an exquisite love story. And with the way that things develop between her and her husband, I was like, is there a love story where that doesn't involve her husband? Because I'm not seeing the exquisiteness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I actually, so our, the first, I think the first couple chapters you realize are, her talking about the past and she's in a hotel with her partner, her husband, some man. We don't get his name either, but I went back to check to make sure did we or did we get his name because it's like, is it Max or is this Frank that she's with? Yes, I had the same. I was like, is she end up with Frank? Is that what's going to happen here? Yep, yep, yep. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was torn between is this a blue beard? Is this, is the first wife not actually dead? Mm. Um, is she going to fall in love with Frank? I really thought that was going to happen. Yep, absolutely. 100%. And, um, yep. None of which is true. Like, all of that was right. wrong. Right. I was also like, are there going to be ghosts? Is like... Yeah. Uh... And there There's weren't. Always a chance <laughs> of ghosts. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it does open with, like, clearly... It is very clear that our narrator is not going to die. Right. So that is taken away, which that is a very hard thing to write. Like, there's actually a couple books on my um, did not finish list because, like, if you're going, it doesn't even start with a prologue, but if you're going to hint to future in the beginning of the book where it kind of implies that, like, it's enough time away that, like, everything's okay, which I don't think it actually is. I think this is, like, the hotel they're staying with at the end. Yeah. But, anyways, my point being, like, you have to have enough mystery, which this book obviously does, because otherwise people are like, I know you survive. If all you're going to throw at me is, like, these potential death situations, I know you survive. Right. So it's like, why continue reading? Right. But it does sprinkle in that the house or the home Manderley is no more, and I want to know why that's happening. And then as things went on, I was like, who is this man? I need to know who the man (laughs) is at at the beginning, essentially. Yes, yes. (laughs) Who is she married to now? Right. Who right. is she happily in love with? So Right, because exquisite love story. I just... I still don't see it. I don't. I I do not, and I would not refer to it as such. Yeah, no. Uh... <laughs> no. I think... 
I think in some ways this book is very much a cautionary tale of like why you should find yourself before you should start dating. Like find hobbies you like, find things you're interested in, kind of know who you are. Like I'm not saying you have to love yourself because I think that people that have, you know, issues with self-love can still find love in an outside mm-hmm. But for the love of God, if your entire like life is sitting at this man's feet where you're saying that you're just like Jasper the dog. Yes. That is such a problem. Yes. And I just wanted to pick her up and be like, "Listen, honey." That and when you like, ask your husband if you're ha- if he's happy and he says, "I don't know. You say we're happy, so we're happy." That's yeah. not an answer. Big red flag there. Yeah. Just so many red that flags. That and also just who won't talk about the past. Like I'm not saying you need to go super in depth with your partner about their exes. That's fine. No. But to never talk about your ex or your not even ex, but your deceased wife. Yes. Mm. Or like just like, I don't know, pick up a newspaper, go to the library, figure out what happened to her. Yeah. Ask some just, goddamn questions. Yeah. And also, like, back to your point about finding yourself first, if she had been more sure of herself... She wouldn't have had a problem saying when she goes to the ho- to the house, like, you know, this was the first wife's customs or her patterns. I'm not doing that. Exactly. I'm doing this. And exactly. since we're employing you and paying you, you will ad- adapt to what I'm yes. saying. Yes. And there's a lot of just You can like, do it nicely, but. <laughs> don't marry young. Maybe. And also, also, maybe don't marry the first person you fall in love with. Let's date around a bit. Yeah, let's just, it's fine. You probably actually could have done with a guy your age, someone a little bit more modern, but it's fine. I get it. Also, the fact that she like completely like turned her nose up in New York, like, fuck you, okay? <laughs> but also, it's the 30s. I get it. Like, yeah. nobody, like, no one was doing okay in the 30s. Also, so. Mrs. Van Hopper was super annoying. <laughs> oh, she was wonderfully annoying. She is like. <laughs> She's your nosy neighbor. Yes. Wanting to, but who like wants to be in the know about like the rich people, the the, the celebrities, like the well-knowns. And it like has no sense of self and that she's like just embarrassing the shit out of herself. It's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. We got a lot of like, I don't, should we name her or just call her narrator? I I really don't. Call her narrator. I don't want, I don't really want to spend the whole time calling her Mrs. De Winter, or the could. second De Winter, or anything like that. Yeah, we'll, just call her narrator. yeah we'll call her the narrator. And Rebecca's Rebecca. Yeah. So she, the book does open up with this like foreshadowing that something's going to happen, and that she's with her husband, and then she starts talking about how she was in Monte Carlo, which I can never remember where Monte Carlo is, but apparently it's in France. French Riviera. So at the hot- at Hotel Cote d'Azur. And I remember looking this up because I was like, oh, white collar. Matt Bomer's character talks about being <laughs> Shut up. Really? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so French Riviera. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. I also really quick want to point out. So um, I live in Brooklyn. I have both a New York and a Brooklyn library card. I don't get a lot of physical books because um, one, they weigh a lot. And two, most of like my actual physical card usages for comic books, the wait list for this book at both libraries, both in ebook and an audiobook, And honestly, in the uh, New York library for an actual like book book is astronomical. For books really? from like, 1938. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was like 24 weeks. 
wow. I, know. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> That's amazing. No, like, I mean, it's granted, a good book. I think people should read it. Two, yeah, they probably only have one or two copies, but still, like. Still, that's a big demand. Either there's, knowing us, there's a mini series that we haven't caught on yet that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> because that seems to happen with everything we read. Yes, which but I will still, watch that. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I want to yeah. find the Hitchcock movie now. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I just think it's really impressive. This book's been out since 1938, and it is still highly, like, well-read, so. Going strong. Yeah. So, we are in Monte Carlo, and we are very quickly made aware of, like, how innocent, and she keeps calling herself shy. I'm going to say spineless, our main character is, because, yeah. like, the restaurant's giving her crappy food, and she's not speaking up for herself. Yeah, that whole thing about the restaurant giving her crappy food, and essentially it's to sort of make Mrs. Van Hopper feel better. Like she gets the really good cuts of meat, whereas the narrator gets the super dry piece of tongue or whatever it was dropped on her plate. Yeah. And they kind of like throw, I don't know. They just, they're not, they don't treat her the way they treat Mrs. Van Hopper, but that also Mrs. Van Hopper will look at her, her plate and then kind of compare to see what the narrator's got. Just yeah. to make sure it's not better than, just like oh, okay this van hopper's a lot she's also american so you know she's terrible we get it yeah americans have never yeah. been great apparently yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> um so and uh, they also have assigned tables it's back in that time where like you know you had assigned seating and things like that when you went to hotels and the table next to them is for maxim de winter who is a wealthy Englishman. He owns this great big house, um, Manderley, and Miss uh, Van Hop Van Hopper. Mrs. Yeah, Van Hopper. Okay, I was like, wait, is it Hopper or something else? I was like, am I getting Stranger <laughs> Things in here? Uh, Mrs. Van Hopper is like very much wanting to rub shoulders with him, and it's also a time of like you can't just walk up to someone and introduce yourself. So she's like trying to get letters from her nephew to prove that like there's a relation there, and mm-hmm. like. So she can show pictures of his wedding, right. and his bride, something to and talk like about. That. Yeah, and she likes like, to. She does point out to the narrator too that his wife died a year ago, and he looks ill, and da da da. So she's very gossipy. Yes, um, I kind of like. I'm curious about this. Th- these social norms that have definitely dropped off. Oh yeah. Like I've I've never been in a hotel where it's like if you're gonna dine this you have to sit at the seat. And I've also never been in a situation where, like, I couldn't just walk up to someone and introduce myself. Yeah. Um, that maybe, I guess, maybe with celebrities, you can't quite do that. Or if I, like, yeah. went to, like, the Met Gala or something, like, I couldn't just walk up to people. But I don't know. It's weird to think of that. Yeah. And also, it would probably help with social anxiety quite a bit. It's like, I can't talk to you. I've never been. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> Can we bring that back, actually? I kind of want this. Um. So Miss um, Van Hopper makes a complete fool of herself, basically Ugh. trying to get an invite to his house. She um, mentions the house so many times and like yes. very like, eh, it's, and it's not working. He's not biting. And he's kind of making subtle digs back at her that the narrator is picking up on, but mm-hmm. that she's not picking up on at all. Or if she is, no, she's just not. She's, she's not. not. They're going all, right yeah. over her head. No, I think it's finally when he's like, do you want to come dress me? That she's like, hold on. <laughs> That's a line. Right. <laughs> You've crossed. But then um, she's like, but you can do it, narrate. <laughs> yeah. Because you are obviously not of high enough class. Yeah. Um, 
we learn that the narrator's uh, an orphan or her parents have died. She has no family. Um, and she is basically training to be a companion um, as like a career, basically, until she, so she can make some money until she can get married herself. Yeah. Um, it's 90 pounds a year. Yeah, that's Not so a little. <laughs> um, which was probably actually really great back in the 1930s. But yeah. Um, I don't she's know. in her. I don't know if it's enough to put up with Mrs. Van Hopper. <laughs> that's very true. I don't think any amount of money would. No. <laughs> um, we learn that she is an artist. We learn that she's being taught to play tennis um, and basically just becoming a quote unquote presentable young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets a letter that night from Max, uh, Mr. DeWinter's Maxim that's basically apologizing for his attitude, which yeah. is really kind of cool. Like, I really like her, her though. It's just for her. <laughs> yeah. Like,. He kind of does like a roller coaster. Like at first I was like, cool, you're flirting and like really into her. Like this is really nice and proper and like all this stuff. And also I was like, and you're British. So like, yeah, I can understand the standoffish from the love. But then I'm like, no, maybe you're a terrible person who also killed your wife. So Yep. Which Mm. like, because when Mrs. Van Hopper grabs him for coffee, he's like, oh, no, no, both of you are having coffee with me. I was like, oh, so there's some interest here. So, yes, you know, and then the note was only for her. Um, and then the next day or whenever it is that Mrs. Van Hopper wakes up, she has the flu. Basically, mm-hmm. our narrator has all this time to herself and she ends up dining with him and he offers to drive her places so she can sketch. And then they spend all this time driving together. But then I just... It's a two-week courtship. It is made yeah. very, very clear that there's an age difference here, which we learn is probably yes. around 20 years difference. Yeah. He's, we learn he's 42. Mm-hmm. I think there's a mention that puts her at 21 or just Maybe. over 21. Yeah. Somewhere around there, because there was something, too, where he said like he's about old enough to be her father. Yes. Uh, yeah, there were times I'm like, please tell me she's not a fucking teenager. But yeah. there is a mention of her 21st birthday or 21st year or something. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Maybe you're not as as young as as that. Yeah. But it's still, like, it's a sticking point for me. Not the age different necessarily, but how it is handled in this book. Where it's like, he won't let her forget. Right. I think if he didn't always call her, like, my child or shit like that, it would be, you'd forget about it. Exactly. Because he'd be treating her like an equal and not like a child. But he does treat her like a child and calls her such pet names like that, that it's like, yes. okay. And it, like the right after the climax of the book, she's like, I'm no longer a child. Like, I yeah. promise my childish ways. And I'm like, okay. No. <laughs> and There's he's always kissing lot. her on the head. Yes. Like, okay. But that's yeah. your wife. Maybe kiss her on the mouth. Yeah. Maybe that's the British way. I don't know. I don't know. I think we have a couple British listeners. I'm sure I'm going to <laughs> report back. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's about two weeks of driving and everything. He takes her to a spot where he gets very weird and distant, and she's just kind of like, I don't know what's going on. And and that was the and, first time too, the first drive yeah. that they took together, um, like up on a cliff where if you fell off, like. That's yeah. it for you. Like so. she's the first time she's like, "Oh, I'm in a car with a stranger. Like, this yeah. is not the brightest idea." Now I'm up um, on a cliff with him. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a scene where, like, I mean, she truly thinks that he's doing this to be kind, like to you know entertain her. It's she doesn't mm-hmm. see it as a courtship. No. And he basically tells her he's like, "If you really think that I'm doing this to be kind, you can walk." 
And I was just like, all right, we yeah. need to stop. Yeah. Like, that's that's being ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Miss Van Hoppen feels better. And one day just wakes up and she's done. She's ready to be, you know, she's ready to go back to New York. Um, I think her daughter was sick or something like that, too. Yeah. And was going back to um, New York. So she's like, yeah, let's, someone we're going to go. Boat. Yeah. Someone had a boat, which that was the point. I was like, what year is this? Because I thought it was the 50s for some reason. Or like later, like definitely a time where there was commercial airline. But mm-hmm. nope, it's the 30s. Yeah. So it's still boats. Yeah. Um, and of course, our narrator doesn't want to go to New York. Right. She's she, in love. She's madly in love. Yeah, I think there's Obsessed a part where she says something that she's glad or she thinks that basically the feverishness of first love, glad that can only happen to you once. Because it's so enthralling. Can it? I feel like that happens. I was about to say frequently. That's not the word I'm looking for. But like, I mean, it can because yeah. if you have a new person and maybe yeah. also if the person engages with you and acts like they're in love with you, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a very weird courtship. Yeah, because when she goes to him and tells him, like, she's clearly upset, um, he's given, like, no sign leading up to this that, like you said, like, that this is a courtship, that it's anything more, and he's just like, well, you have a choice. You can either go to New York with her, you can come back to Manderley with me. And I think she says something about the work she can do, or thinking, like, it's a job offer. Yeah. He's like, yeah. no, I'm proposing. Like, this is your idea of a proposal. It's like you over breakfast as he's opening like a tangerine. Right. Like, you don't have to do a whole thing, but you could be a little bit more romantic yeah. about it. I mean, like, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense, that the reason that he's doing this. And because he doesn't really want a whirlwind romance. He's had that, and he got burned by that. Not yeah. to spoil, but he got burned. And so, like... It makes sense, but God, he comes off as such an asshole where it's just like, I mean, he even tells her, he's like, you deserve, you know, a proposal in the garden where then I take you behind a tree and make passionate love to you. And then, and she's like kind of fantasizing about like, she Mm -hmm. wants, not necessarily that, but she wants him to go to Miss Van Hopper and be like, I'm so much in love with her that I can't live without her. And I, Miss Van Hopper I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's basically like she's very rude. And oh yeah, it's like not to him, not to his face. But once no, he's no, no, gone, yeah. to our narrator, she says that um, it's only because he doesn't want to live in that big house alone, and yes. I think you've made a big mistake, and you're not going to like this, and blah 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 blah. Yes, and um, it's just it's such a slap in the face. Yeah, plus um, like. Too when they're talking about the wedding, he it's just going to be a quick private thing, not like a big church or big fa- reception wedding type of thing. Right. But she wants, it seems like she wants some type of celebration and then is immediately ready to downplay it and not want that because he doesn't want that. Exactly. It's, yes. It's, it's okay to have your own opinions. Exactly. And for them to differ from your partner's. Maybe it wasn't back in the 1930s, but my God, like, I don't think women were this demure. Like, it's, it is like he is marrying a child. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think she even said she's like, a house wedding would be really nice. And no, it's, they go to the courthouse and then they go off to Italy for a couple weeks. Yeah. 
that's a, I like I, I can just imagine the papers that have been written on all of this like, <laughs> yeah this one line and how terrible it is mm-hmm. um so they do we don't get the honeymoon it's the den jumps to like her first day at the house and the drive up to the house and seeing it for the first time and the beautiful gardens and everything like that and we learn that he has had the east wing open um, and that he they used to live in the west wing. So that's kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. And the west wing had bigger rooms. Yep. And also faced the sea like you could hear the ocean. You can't hear it from the east side. But when Mrs. Danvers, who's basically runs the house, she tells our narrator that if if Mr. De Winters asks that they couldn't get his um like dresser or something out of it was just too narrow in these smaller rooms so clearly the west wing had like yeah. the, be- the bigger better rooms yeah she is immediately a bitch yeah and our narrator immediately feels that mrs danvers is comparing her to rebecca yes and that they will not be friends <laughs> nope and it is the start of her feeling like everybody's comparing her right um, to rebecca right because too the house they they find that they like the, the next day basically she realizes what the house routine is and that it's still basically being operated as if it was the original mr and mrs de winter like how yes. they both would you know take on their days and because when they were like oh if you want to go into the the morning room i think it was called yeah um, because they don't light the library until later in the day, which is where she was going to go. But she's like, no, no, I'll go into the, the morning room. And there's like the desk set up for all this correspondence. I'm like, what correspondence does she have? She just moved here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't have family. She hasn't met right. anybody yet. But she does write a letter to Mrs. Van Hopper because she doesn't have anything else to do. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, like, Maxim doesn't show her around. He doesn't have anybody show her around. Right. He doesn't tell her, like, he knows that she's not at the same class as him. He just, right. and he doesn't tell her like what's expected or like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. Or like, Hey, this is what my first wife did, but he like step into your own role kind of thing. Like it's right. nothing. It's just like, all right, well we're home. I got work to do. Bye. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. Like she's not made to feel comfortable by anyone, including her yeah. husband. And, like, the, the staff is trying... They're just operating based on Rebecca's routines. Yeah. Um, but every time she says something, like, oh, well, Mrs. DeWinter used that vase or put that vase on yes. that shelf. Or she did this. Like, I found that a little bit annoying. Because it's like, hi, this is our new Mrs. DeWinter. Exactly. Maybe she doesn't want to do that. Can you just, like, listen to her for a second? Yeah. It's- <laughs> Although, at the same time... She's kind of given the option when because Mrs. Danvers does put together the menu every day for her review and she's supposed to like approve it or make changes and she doesn't make changes that first day. She just defers to Mrs. Danvers and she's and she's not having she's like, no, no, you have to tell me what you want. Right. So you have to pick the sauce. Suggests- Right. So she would always leave it blank because Rebecca was so particular. So they basically go with what Mrs. Danvers knows Rebecca would have picked. Right. It's, yeah, it's it's part of, like, that our narrator cannot figure out where she fits in. She right. also believes that Rebecca was incredibly well-loved mm-hmm. and that she there's absolutely no way she could fill these shoes and is terrified to even try. But also, yeah. Miss uh, Danvers, Danny, whatever, mm-hmm. fucking bitch. Like, mm-hmm. she is mm-hmm. terrible gaslighting, like, ugh. Uh... 
She's the worst. Yeah. Um, we also have in the staff, there's um, Frank Crawley, who's like that. He kind of is, Maxim owns the place, but Frank kind of runs the place. Or Frank the agent or Frith? Frank the agent. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's Frith. Yeah. Who's the and, like head housekeeper. And then Robert mm-hmm. is the other one. And I can't remember the maid's name. Um, Clarice? Yeah. There's one right before her, too, I think. There's but yeah, Alice. Clarice is the one who gets, who gets assigned yeah, to her. Yeah, there's Alice, who, like, was the first Mrs. Danvers? No. I don't remember what she was prior to it. But she is very clearly, like, brought up to... She's done this before, as where Clarice is new. Mm-hmm. And so they can kind of bond over that and become yeah. friends. Which, again, is another thing that completely, like, shatters our narrator's confidence. Yeah. Um, so on top of like throwing her into a house, not showing around, he also just has people over, you know, whatever. Although they did invite themselves, his sister Beatrice and her husband, is it Giles? Yes. They sent a letter basically ahead of time, not realizing that they would have only been back for like a day. And so, but when they come... She's in the morning room, which is like, I guess, right towards the front of the house. And so she sees them arrive and she basically runs away. And I was just like, yes. don't don't do this. Do not do this. You don't know where you're going. <laughs> I felt it in my bones. Of being like, no, I don't want to greet you. Like, he yeah. can greet you and I'll you can introduce me. But like, I'm not going to open that fucking door. Right. Because she would have been the first one because I don't remember exactly. where he was. Um, but she ends up like in the servant's quarters and ends up in the west wing i was like where did you go that you asked yeah. <laughs> and like runs into miss danvers who's like i of guess course. lurks in the west wing Ugh. she does i feel like she's she stays there to try to be close to rebecca if that makes sense yeah i couldn't figure out my thoughts on miss danvers like i was like are you in love with rebecca or like super morning or like what and then it's like mm-hmm. oh no you're just actually truly evil cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so beatrice is kind of amazing she's like she's got no filter yep. and she'll tell you exactly how it is and she's just a lot and i was like oh i relate to you yeah um one of the things I liked was when she's, I think it's just, they have one-on-one time, her and the narrator, and she's like, she says that she was surprised that Max didn't, like, take her shopping in London to get some clothes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because she was talk. the narrator talks about her clothes and that they're not, like, of this class. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Why didn't you do that, Max? Because they yeah. spent a couple weeks or a few weeks away. Like, they didn't come back right after they got married. No, they did. They had a, a honeymoon or whatever. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and she also tells her that she's nothing like Rebecca, or she's nothing mm-hmm. like she would expect it. She's definitely not like Rebecca, which is shattering to this narrator. Yes. <laughs> because, again, she thinks everybody loved Rebecca. Rebecca was this, like, perfect angel that everybody put on a pedestal. And because and, like, nobody's fucking trying to change that perspective, <laughs> like, I can understand it eating away at you. Yes, because also... The idea is Max and Rebecca were so much in love and so happy and he's so devastated by her death. If I'm nothing like Rebecca, how can I truly make him happy? Yeah, like How can he truly be in love with me? At least that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, yeah, it's like, why am I married to him other than to just take up space in this house? And she's also the one who tells our narrator that Mrs. Danvers loved, she just loved and adored Rebecca. Yes. 
So clearly she was taking the death hard still and was not yes. super ready to see a new Mrs. in the house. If only we could all learn how to fucking communicate. Yes. And not just in the prim and proper way. Yep. Um, so she's also stopped doing any kind of art because the way that it's presented is that it's like a hobby. But it, she keeps taking it as like kind of how I guess you talk about a child when they're like, oh, yeah, right now she's really into finger painting kind of mm-hmm. thing. But really, if you like think about it, like Beatrice buys her this set of books yeah. about art and like she's like really proud that there's an artist in the family and everything. Like it's not right. a simple hobby to her. Like it's something that she's really excited about. And I feel like Maxim's that way, too. And it kind of sucks. Actually, I don't even know if by the end it's really even, like, talked about that she's going to start doing this again or anything. It's not. No, it kind of just fades away. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to your point, too, of, like, knowing yourself and having hobbies. Like, you don't have to just be about your husband. You can go sit and draw, sketch, paint, whatever, do whatever. Yeah. But she doesn't. Like, that just kind of falls away now that she's married. I think I've, I've probably told this on here, but one of the times that I was trying online dating... Um, typically the process I go through is, you know, chatting a little bit, moving to text message, maybe a phone call or two and then meeting up. It's not always in that order and it's not like a always a long drawn out thing, but you can really kind of get a hold on who someone is through text messages and occasionally through phone calls before meeting them, like before wasting your time. And mm-hmm. there was this guy that seemed really nice and honestly, super nice guy, um, and had a lot in common, but... My lifestyle um, was I played tennis seven days a week at time. Um, I lived with a roommate who I loved, uh, who's still one of my best friends. And, you know, I had a dog. I had a life. You know, I was very much, I'd finally hit that stride in my life where I was like, I know who I am. This is what I do. You can find a way to fit into this or we can fit in together. But, like, I'm not giving this up for someone. And it was to the point, like, I would leave my cell phone in my car when I went to play tennis um, sometimes, or I'd leave it in my bag. Like, it was not something Mm -hmm. that I looked at while I was on the court. You're not going to be on your phone on the court, so that makes sense. Exactly. It weirded him out that, like, it would take me a while to respond. I mean, like, he was nice about it and everything. But I remember the last conversation before I was like, you know what? This is not going to work for us. I was cooking dinner. I had texted him or something. Music was on. I had the apartment to myself. I was dancing around in the kitchen as I was cooking. And, like, looked at my phone. He was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry it took me so long to respond. I was playing this game. and Or my roommate, like, roped me into playing this part for me and or for him or something, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it's been five minutes, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, God. Like, it's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, you need to know who you are and you need to have a life especially in the day and age where like divorce is so high like i don't know i, I just i feel like my friends that have gone through divorces that like know who they are or are on track to knowing who they are like do with so much better than people that are like well hmm. my life was this relationship right who am i now what am i gonna do so yeah yeah that's my rant for the day. Yeah, because I was worried about what was going to happen to her if things didn't turn out well for yeah. Max. And I was like, what are you going to do? Because, like, the other thing is, not to be mean, but she's not running the household because essentially Mrs. Danvers is doing that. Yeah. So go sketch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is she doing all day? Just sitting I don't know, at this I, desk? Not writing flowers? correspondence? Like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Taking walks? Yeah. But she doesn't take walks outside of with Jasper and her husband. Yeah. 
I just I Get can't me. do something. Yeah. Read a book. Yeah. Just even do that. No, like there's talk I of don't. like her sitting in Rebecca's chair and this is Rebecca's fork and I was just like, for the love of God, throw it all out. Right. Start over. You're the wife. You like yeah. you're the, the mistress of the household. Redecorate. Yeah. Um, so they are going on a walk at one point and they Mm. go past this cove that Maxim doesn't want to go down, um, until Jasper ends up down there and it's where Rebecca's sailboat used to be. And there's also this little cottage and there's Ben, which, but also Max does not follow her. So Jasper runs off after he shows her the happy Valley, like the pretty flower area, um, Jasper runs off. He's not coming back. He runs off. So she follows him and he's like, leave the dog, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what if he falls? And so she's worried about him. So she follows. He doesn't follow her. She's like, ah, really? You're not going to follow her? Yeah. Um, and so she's there by herself, meets Ben, um, sees the cottage and eventually finds out that that's why, like that's the area where her boat used to be and where she drowned or where yeah. the boat sank and she drowned. But it's just like, you can't follow her. No, and he gets mad yeah. at her and is like, I told you not to follow the dog. The dog would have been fine. And it's like, if you had said, hey, the dog does this frequently and like he knows how to come home from there. So much different reaction. Right. Then that would have been understandable. And then she probably would have just went back with you. Yeah. But no. Nope. You can't explain things because you can't talk about things throws an absolute fit like that fight is so ridiculous and the fact that Rebecca's just like just don't be mad at me I just don't want you to be mad at me and it's like you right. did nothing wrong it reminded me very much of a scene in Midsummer that we were talking about <laughs> towards the beginning of the movie where I wanted to just murder Ugh. the boyfriend though I spent most of the movie all of the movie wanting to just stab him in the face <laughs> yeah yeah if you haven't seen Midsummer and you have the stomach for it go see it yeah but also I'd say there's more body grossness in that one than hereditary yeah, that I was agree. the other thing yeah yeah but also you may not still be with your boyfriend by the end of the movie just like heads up i mean just men just don't be trash and then you won't get dumped and yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. um so eventually she makes friends with frank which yeah. is where suspicious of yeah i mean ah. i was i was like okay so this is the guy that she eventually is going to end up with that was entirely my train of thought Right. But also, let me see, I'm trying to find it. Because when she first meets Ben, because uh, Ben oh, is yeah. the son of a former worker, I think. Yes. Um, he's a little bit mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. And I can't, where is it? He starts talking about Rebecca, not by name, but he's like, she's gone or she doesn't go into that cottage anymore. And she's gone in the sea now. She won't come back. And then he says, I never said nothing, did I? And the narrator doesn't know what he's talking about, but she's like, no, you know, it's okay, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, oh, what aren't we talking about, Ben? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, that was the point where I was like, so she's still alive. She's hiding somewhere. No, nah, I was just like, someone murdered her. I don't know if we've met the murderer yet. It could be the husband. It could be someone else. It could be Mrs. Danvers. I was yeah. suspicious of everybody. Exactly. Same. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, she does make friend, good friends with Frank. Like, she feels comfortable enough to talk to Frank. Yes. Where it seems like when she talks to her husband, she's constantly, like, rephrasing her words. And I don't know. It feels like she's she's just more comfortable speaking openly with Frank. Yeah. 
we're never told his age, but I wonder if he's closer in age to her. Yeah, my, that was my guess, but maybe he's not. Don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, that's why I was like that. That was the point where she would when it was about how she was able to talk to him. I was like, I got to go back. Do we get the name of the person she's with in the first right. chapters when we're set in the future? And we don't. So I was like, it's entirely possible the exquisite love story is now going to be an affair between her and Frank. Right. Right. And then it doesn't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Frank's there. She meets him at the lunch with Beatrice and Giles. And she's told that he's really boring. And like, it kind of like makes her dislike Beatrice at first because she's like, Frank's not boring. He's just, she relates to Frank. She finds him to have mm-hmm. the same kind of social anxieties that she has, although she calls it shyness. But yeah. it, that's what it is. It's social anxiety. Um, and he's the one who also tells her about Rebecca that the boat capsized yes. and sank and that the body, her body washed up on shore like two months later, 40 miles away, and that Max ID'd the body by himself. So she finally gets the story of what happened yes. to Rebecca. And she doesn't ask the right questions. The question she yeah. asks is, was Rebecca beautiful? Which nobody can deny she was. Right. So, right. But Frank is very cagey about her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, understandably, because apparently no, we'll get to that. Yeah. So she's going around meeting people. Basically, people are coming to the house. And if someone comes to the house, you have to go to their house. And, you know, it's polite society and all that crap. And I'm very glad that stuff's gone. Um, oh, the whole thing about having to host and like. Oh, my God. It sounds exhausting. Uh, yeah. No, I'm so good. Um, Even with servants to like do the cooking yeah, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And she's ter- she feels that she's terrible with it because she feels like everybody's comparing her to Rebecca and yeah. everybody's talking about the big parties that Rebecca used to throw. And, fancy dress balls. Yes. And the sp- summer picnic bullshit. So I don't know. Midnight picnics. Um, this and that. And basically she's hearing it from everybody because again, everybody loved Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the bulk leading up to the big party. Um, there is a moment where, I mean, it's everything. It's like at a dinner where like Maxim gives her this look of like, you need to leave now so that the men can talk. And it's like, how is she supposed to know these things? Right. <laughs> it's, you don't tell her. Like, you don't talk about things. Exactly. Like, ugh, drives me crazy. So at one point he goes to London for a day, which is about six hours of a drive from where they are um, for a dinner that is only the men. And so she's got the place to herself. And it's the first time she finally feels like herself again. Like she's starting to feel normal. She's laying in the grass, just like relaxing, chewing on grass and like just so calm and peaceful. And then she feels guilty, too, because she knows she realizes that this feeling is because he's not here. (laughs) Max isn't there. Right. And And she does actually start realizing that maybe he's wrong. (laughs) She ends up back at the beach at the cottage with Ben and he says something else about Rebecca that she, does she have mean eyes or that she was basically saying that she was mean. She was like a snake. She threatened him once with sending him to an asylum. Um, So so it's interesting to, yes, yes. But also interesting to get, oh, there's a difference. I mean, no one's perfect. No one is always the bell of the ball, always happy. But it was interesting to see that because I was like, Oh, yes. Is Rebecca dead? <laughs> Did yes. she run away? <laughs> yeah. And it, it like seems like everybody's girl. kind of just accepted Ben's harmless. Mm-hmm. He's a very nice guy. He'll chat you up. He's going to be a little off, but just let him be. And yeah. so like this innate fear he has, someone's going to send him to an asylum. Like mm-hmm. we don't really know how it got there. 
Except for it was totally Rebecca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she was like a snake. Yeah. Um, so while he's in London, she comes back to the house early. And I swear to God, I thought it was going to be Rebecca in the house. <laughs> like, I swore up and down. I was like, this is the part where we find out Rebecca's still alive. Living in the walls. <laughs> I don't Just like, I really thought that he tried to kill her or like was an abusive husband some way to her or something. None of which was like, we have no signs of abuse from him. Like he's right. standoffish and cold and like kind of miserable to be around, but he's not abusing her. Yeah. Anyways, I really expected that that was who uh, Mrs. Danvers was with, but instead she is with man. Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Which I was like, are we sleeping together? Are we plotting against our narrator? What are we doing? So we find out he's Rebecca's first cousin. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was like we were using the term cousin to pretend that he's really a cousin, but he's actually a lover. I don't know if he's both. But it's both <laughs> things. I'm just like, oh, we were first cousins sleeping together. Why? <laughs> this late <laughs> life. Or this late into the 19th, 20th century. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yep. Um, and he's also, he, like, he they get caught. Like, he's, he can't sneak out of the house. Like, the way his car was parked was so people couldn't see it necessarily, but she saw it from her angle. And I did like where she slowly pieced it together. Like, after he le- like before he leaves, he asks her not to tell anyone because Max isn't too fond of him. Um, but she slowly pieces it together that it's interesting that the cousin would come on a day when I'm supposed to be out on a walk the one day where max isn't in the house all day and it's frith's day off and robert got sent to go do something else so he wasn't there it's very interesting that no one was here except for mrs danvers and then she like slowly comes to her and sees that something's not quite right and that this was totally planned for him to come when all of us were out of the house and i essentially ruined it because i came home early right i am curious why he was there yeah, why? Like, and they were in the West Wing, because yeah. that's where she saw him, was in the window. He was standing in the window in the West Wing. So, like, was she, was Mrs. Danvers just showing him Rebecca's things? I don't know. Because the impression we get later is, like, here it feels like they're conspiring. Right. The impression I get later is, what's conspire about like, at this point? Exactly. It's, like, and, yeah, we'll get to, like, yeah, it's oh, just weird. Yeah. And this is the point, I mean... Our narrator's kind of like, what the hell's going on? So she goes to mm-hmm. the West Wing. And this is when Miss Danvers gets super fucking creepy. So weird. Because, yeah. like, everything about the West Wing is immaculate. It looks like someone's living there still. I mean, like, there's fresh She flowers. cleans it every single day by herself. Yes. All the no one else are still is allowed. There. Yep. Everything. She's like, I don't know why you never asked me to show you this area. And I was just like, this is super creepy thank you um yeah like she grabs her arm like really hard as she's talking to her and oh and i think that's the point where we also learned that like she was the family maid for rebecca like she has Mm -hmm. known rebecca since she was a child yeah um and she blames herself for rebecca's death because she wasn't home Yes. That day. And if she had been, she would have told Rebecca, I don't think you should sail because of the weather. And then Rebecca wouldn't have sailed and the boat wouldn't have sank and she wouldn't have died. Right. Um, Like, she's creepy as hell. But at this point, I'm just kind of feeling more sorry for her almost. Where it's like, she's trying to preserve this woman's memory. 
and isn't letting go. And maybe if mm-hmm. they just kind of talked about this, she'd realize she's not trying to like replace Rebecca. Right. But just trying clearly to clearly she's not. Place. She hasn't come in and like redecorated. She hasn't. Yeah. She like. Ugh. She hasn't demanded the West Wing. She hasn't tried to do anything. Right. I don't know. Oh, it, it, I, the narrator's just a lot. Yeah. And then when she goes with B to visit the grandmother, that doesn't help things no. either. <laughs> no. Because uh, their Which grandmother is, is older and yes. she's her memory's not quite there. And towards the end of their stay, she gets upset and asks, who are you? Where's Rebecca? I want Rebecca here. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I really can't imagine how I would have handled being in the narrative. Like, I feel like I'm fairly confident in who I am. I don't know if I would have gotten the same vibes the whole time of just like, man, why am I here? Everybody clearly loved Rebecca. He remarried too soon. Or if I just would have been like, hey, so not trying to replace her. But here are things that we're going to do my way. Because I want to be comfortable in my own home. Exactly. This and if is you don't not like my it, home get out <laughs> if you don't like it here's two weeks pay and i will write you a wonderful letter of recommendation have a nice yes day. <laughs> just something i don't know um so all this leads up to the fact that they're finally going to throw a ball and it is in part to celebrate their marriage their wedding yes because people have been asking about doing something for the bride and of course of course max has not done or thought about that because yeah. why would he um, but well, it's during one of those <laughs> it's during one of those exhausting days where everyone just ends up at their house and they're having to entertain it. People start in about the, the ball. And so they do decide to do it. And it's going to be a costume ball. And I, this is where I was like, oh, no, <laughs> because our narrator yes. tells Frank and Max that she's going to have an outfit that's going to like they're not going to recognize her. It's going to be amazing. Yes. And she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> She gets really stuck for an idea. <laughs> They're telling her, you can be Alice in Wonderland. And I was like, can you not pick a kid's book? Like, oh, my God. Stop right. doing her as a child, please. Right. But then Mrs. Danvers has this wonderful suggestion that she focus on one of the family portraits in the hall of, I can't remember if it was a grandmother, great-great-grandmother. I think it's a great-great-grandmother. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, who has this white dress and this hat. Focus on that if you would. And I was like, why? Why are you listening to Mrs. Danvers? Because she she has a shop in London, like, make this dress. And, like, she goes all out for it. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Please tell someone. Please, please tell someone that this is your idea. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the problem is that she's not telling anybody, not even Beatrice. Right. Nobody has a clue that, like, right. this is what or she's her maid does. Up. But she swears yeah. her maid to secrecy. And why would her maid know what's going to happen yeah. with this? Her maid's also, also kind of a child. Why are you trusting Mrs. Danvers? She was super creepy in that room. And she was visiting with the cousin who wanted you to not tell. Yep. And there was another thing. She overheard uh, Max basically yelling at Mrs. Danvers that he doesn't oh, want yeah. Jack in the house. Someone told me his car was here. I don't want him here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so Mrs. Danvers assumes that it was our narrator that told who did not tell. She and didn't. also by this point, she's broken China and hit it like she's a freaking oh my God, right. child. It's yeah. like... By that point, I was like, okay, how do I get into a book to have a heart-to-heart with someone just to be like, right. listen. Right. You need- First of all, don't make that dress. Yes. <laughs> Let's just start there with our immediate concern. Or yes. my immediate concern. Yes. It's the 1930s. <laughs> Peter Pan's a thing. Pick anything else but what Mrs. Danvers said. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's my advice. 
I mean, like, her thought process is that Mrs. Danvers is finally coming around and is trying to be her friend and, like... But no, I had the same thing in the moment. I was like, don't do this. Don't, no. don't, don't, don't do this. This no. is bad. No. Nope. Um. And we do find out, of course, the day of the ball, just before people are going to arrive, why it's so bad. Actually, we don't find out right away. Because when she goes on to the stairs and Max, his sister, sister's husband, and I think Frank, Frank's there, I think, see her. They all look shocked. And then Max looks angry and tells her that she has to go change. She's yelling, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't know what she's done wrong. She asks. He won't answer. He's just go change. So yeah, she asks why. No one's answering her. And she runs off in tears. And then Beatrice comes to her and tells her that that was the, that was the last outfit that Rebecca or the outfit Rebecca wore the last for the last fancy yeah. ball. And like good on Beatrice. It's like she's finally realizing that hey maybe nobody's like actually talking to you about these things and like the you know right. some shit's not that great. Because she says to her that Max thinks that you did it on purpose but I said to him how could you possibly exactly. have known? And that's where I was like tell her that Mrs. Danvers told you. Tell exactly. somebody yes. about that. <laughs> that behavior. Just fire her. <laughs> There's just, there's a lot that is just like, if, if we drop the proper pretense, everything would be fine. Um, so she, they tell, they're basically just put on a new dress and just come down to the party. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be here. Make up a lie and say that your dress didn't come in time or something like that. She doesn't want to. Exactly. Which I don't blame her after the way Max yelled at her and then didn't like try to talk to her. Yeah. He like. It's a party to celebrate the fact that he's got a new bride and he doesn't touch her or come near her or anything. Yeah. And so it's like... They don't... Because she does go down and I think they like go through the motions and stand next to each other, but they don't... Oops, sorry, buddy. They don't like dance. Yeah. Or anything like that. Yeah, it's... I mean, she's like talking about how all the gossip's going to be about how like it's already a bad idea that they're married and all these other things. And it's a mess. Um, yeah. But yeah, she does decide to finally go down and... And to kind of conquer the sphere. And I'm glad she did. Yeah. Um, Beatrice and her husband are dressed in some, like, very um, terrible costumes. <laughs> like, Yeah, because he had to paint his face, which yeah. I was like, oh, God. I was like, are you painting your face because you're being a monkey? Oh, God. Or is, And then it's like, no, he's an Arab. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. It is the 1930s, so I'm going to cut you some slack there. But, oh. Oh boy. Giles is also not presented as being like the most intelligent creature on the planet, so I get it. No. Um so Max does not come to bed. Yeah. Um then so she's like doubly freaking out. Yeah, she thinks he's left her. She calls Frank. Like, yes. Have you seen him? She's very worried that he's basically packed up and left her. Yes. And we're also in the background of all this, like, it's the end of summer. It's about to break. The heat's about to break. All these storms are on the horizon. It's kind of just, like, all chaos is about to break loose. And then Mrs. Danvers decides to, like, try to convince her to commit suicide. Yep. And this is a very she, terrifying I did, scene. Before that, I did, right before, well, before that part of it, I did, like, that she confronted Mrs. Danvers and yes. was like, why 
did you set me up? Blah, blah, blah. And she does, she says, basically, you try to take Rebecca's place. And then she taunts her and says, Max isn't really happy with you. You'll never be enough. And then basically she like opens the window. She's like, I won't push you. I won't touch you, but just end it. Just end it. You're not happy here. He's not happy. You're never going to be enough. Like, it's like, oh my God, Mrs. Danvers. Jesus Christ. Terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that, like, she's getting lulled by the waves and everything. And I was like, good God, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, obviously, but, she doesn't jump. And we know right. she doesn't jump. But still, I had to be right. like, oh, my God. But in that moment, like, yeah. so I was so caught up of, like, I forgot about the beginning part. I was like, she cannot yeah. possibly jump here, right? <laughs> Sign of good writing. Yeah. Um, and then, but but then they're interrupted. By a rocket going off as a yeah. sign of we are in distress. It's a boat that's in distress. That is sinking, if I'm not mistaken. Right. That is run ashore in the bay. Yes. So Max is there. He's running back and forth all over the place trying to help. Um, our narrator goes down and she talks to Ben again. Yes. Who says something about something about it, it won't go. That ship won't go down like the little one and that the fish ate her up. Yes. So we get a little, little sprinkles of knowledge here from Ben. <laughs> yeah. And also just like the reaction uh, Mrs. Danvers has as well, where it's like, clearly it's not the first boat to come and mm-hmm. like get stuck. get stuck yeah um they have a whole pro- process and everything and like it, they very much are we're going to help these sailors right whatever we can do right. um so she runs down to the cove everybody's down there uh, it's a big deal basically it's you yeah. know nobody has tv so right um then I guess this is also not the time of no it would have been the time of radio so they should have had a radio in the house oh maybe yeah never mentioned yeah um 1938 would have been right before World War II started so yeah I don't know anyways it's a weird setting because like they definitely have a phone but they don't have a radio yeah so it's like very isolated but not that isolated um so this is the point where we learn that there are scuba divers and they have found a boat at the bottom of the cove. Right. And on top of that, there's, there's a, a body. body. And we find this out. The headmaster comes, or the harbor master, <laughs> headmaster, harbor master <laughs> comes and, he, and Max isn't there. Um, so he tells the narrator. And at first, the narrator, like when he first sends out like, so the first part about finding the boat, she doesn't want to have to bother Max with it because so distraught about his dead wife, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, there's another little wrinkle. There was a body inside. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, is Rebecca having an affair? And maybe Max killed both of them. And her body is the one that washed ashore. And this, who was she having an affair with? Because we haven't met or heard of anyone else who right. has disappeared or anything like that. Right. Um, yeah. What were you thinking at I, this point? I thought it was Rebecca. I was like, oh, shit. So who's the person that he identified? Like, okay. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. yeah. But from, I don't know. I was like, my first reaction was, okay, so that's Rebecca. <laughs> who was the body that was identified? And then buried in their, like, crypt or yeah. whatever. And why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And don't worry, we get the whole explanation from uh, from her husband. Oh, my God. Like, after the, har- the harbor master tells him, he, so, his, <laughs> his confession is basically, like, he confesses right away that, like, he, I think he apologizes to her, to the yes. narrator, because things are about to not be good. He um, also kind of admits that maybe he hasn't been the greatest... He does, that he has not been the greatest husband. Yes. And he that... definitely loves hmm? her by this point. Yeah. And it seems like, 
to me, like knowing at this point, you know, knowing what his confession is about to be, that it's like, well, is it because you might lose her now because you might go to jail? Like put in some effort so that we know that you love this person right. before you might go to jail. Right. Um, but he says that he shot Rebecca in the cabin, brought her body into the boat, sank it, and then he ID'd another body two months later. Yes. And the reason that he killed her is because <laughs> anybody that actually knew her, like was any any of the servants in the house, as well as family, knew she was a terrible, horrible person. Who Did was they a- all, though? Because... It seemed um, like, because Mrs. Danvers, I mean, I know Mrs. Danvers is a special case, knows, but like she puts but, her on a pedestal. Yeah. But like when he tells the narrator, he says they basically, he found out like five days in because she told him uh, into the marriage because she told him about herself and basically made a deal with him that she'll run the house. She'll like make Manderley great and like everyone will love it and love them as long as she can kind of do her own thing. And she was basically having all these affairs and stuff. And at the night of her murder, she, when she, she says something to him that, you know, it would be very hard for you to make a case out of it if divorcing me that, like, because I have put up such a, we've, we have put up such a good show. Who's right. going to believe you? That's true. Okay. Maybe the servants don't quite know. At least Robert does, because Robert got hit on. Because Robert tries Robert? to quit. Was it Robert or Frith? Frank. Oh, was it Frank? Oh, okay. Frank was going to quit. Yeah, yeah. Too many guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she's, like, coming on to him and, like. He basically is like, okay, I'll put up with this, but you can't do it in the house. Like, go to fucking London if you're going to do this. And right, so, and she and, does. Yeah, and she does, and they live fine. And, and But anytime she comes home and try to do it, he was like, get the fuck out. Um, right, because she would have her cousin come right. meet her at the cottage, which, like, okay. Because <laughs> it, it basically, the way he tells it, it was sort of like, it worked out sort of for a few years, but then she started getting careless. Yes. Because the servants could have seen, like, anyone could have seen. Right. Um, and, like... It's not presented in a way of, like, that Rebecca is some modern woman that we should, you know, cut, like, some slack or anything. Like, she's truly not a good person. She's lying. Yeah. She's a habitual liar. Um, Cheating all over the place. Yes. She's, like, actively trying to torment she, Maxim. Um, she comes on to Beatrice's husband at one point, too. Oh, yeah. And also maybe sleeps with? I don't know if they slept together or if she just came on to him. Yeah. I, I, and Frank, I don't, I'm, I'm still not sure. Yeah. If that if those lines were crossed, I don't think Frank did anything, but yeah. I am not entirely sure about Giles. Yeah, um, but yeah, she, it's it's she basically also, she's terrible. Like she is. Because um, the other thing she says to him is like, "Well, imagine if I got pregnant, and then my son would be your yes. heir and would get all of this, and there's nothing you can do about it." Yes, and so he killed her, shot her. Yep. And she was smiling when she died. Mm-hmm. Put her and in the boat, drilled some holes into the planks with some spikes and sunk it. And then and waited for a body to wash up that he could identify as her. Yep. This is about where I had to like give a brief summary to Chris so I could kind of not complain, but vent about something because like the major and only thing that our narrator takes away from this is that he was never in love with Rebecca. Yes. That's all she takes away. And I was like, not my husband's a murderer, not I've been sleeping next to a murderer this entire time. It's she's only takes away and only focuses on that. He never loved his first wife, which I was just like, what? How is that what you take away from this whole it's, confession? It's so bad. It's it's like the moment that she said that I was like, oh, dear God, honey. Because honey. she says it over and over and over yes. again. 
okay, cool, fine. I can understand. She's that terrible. Like, we even find out later, like, she was cruel to animals. Like, we have no idea what Rebecca would have done if she had continued to live. But... He still shot her and killed her. Yeah, like... And maybe it's just me, but I guess if my husband killed someone, I'd be then concerned that he's going to try to kill me next. Yeah, like... Granted, I wouldn't be... I know, like, she's not... Our narrator wasn't doing the things that Rebecca was doing, but still... No, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of, like... There's... At the very least... I mean, his whole point is, like, he asks... Before he goes into this, he's like, do you actually love me? And she's like, of course I love you. Like, I'm essentially obsessed with you basically uh-huh. and he's like you won't be after this and she does she's, at no point she's not like i need a moment to process this no she's just like kissing him and saying she yeah. still loves him and she's like a hundred percent stand by her man in this moment like she is not going anywhere which like it's fine but you know take a moment take right, a no. moment to be like she okay didn't need it. i need to process what you just said and the only uh, thing nope. that you don't need to process is, like, the fact that he didn't love his first wife because, like, what the fuck? Like, nope. Hearing that one thing allowed her to be like, okay, I'm is, on board. That is the most childish reaction to have. Right. Especially because the then that she's like, I'm no longer, like, it's, earlier in the day, she's like, I'm no longer a child. What happened last yeah. night? Like, it won't ever happen again, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like. Except you didn't do anything wrong because you did not know that that's what yeah. his dead wife wore at the last ball. The and only thing you did wrong was that you trusted someone you shouldn't have. Yeah. That was, yes. Yeah. So maybe fire that person and then you won't have that problem again. Because I just am ready to, like. Yeah, I don't know why she just wouldn't let yeah. Mrs. Danvers go. Like, oh, that's how you want to act. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. But yeah, no, I had this. I was just like, are you really? Mm-hmm. He didn't love then, Cool. No, he didn't. Right. And then that that makes everything okay. And now she's 100% on She's still 100% on board with this marriage. And, and that's all she needed to hear. Yes, because like, is it the next day where she gets the menu from Mrs. Danvers and she changes it? Yes. She's never changed the menu before, but she makes a change. And when she does it through Robert, I think, and Mrs. Danvers comes to her and she's like, you know, Rebecca used to call me on the phone. Why didn't you? She's like, because I, I sent Robert. Yeah. I am Mrs. DeWinter now. Yeah. <laughs> like she says that. And I was like, OK, I'm glad you have the confidence. However... No, I mean, like, I, I agree, because it's still like, bitch, you tried to get me to commit suicide yesterday. You want me to call you? Like, Yeah, no. I also don't understand why you're still employed here, because you should be fired. Yeah, Because we're not. Because Mrs. Danvers says something to her during, I think, during the confrontation. We're like, oh, now you're going to run to Max and tell him what I did. Just yes. Or Mr. DeWinter. Just like you told him about Jack coming over that day, the cousin, which she hadn't actually done. I was like... Yeah, I would absolutely tell my husband because I have decided you're fired. Yeah, exactly. We're going to need to hire someone else. Exactly. Get Alice back. Have her take over the house. Yeah. 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 But that's what gives her the confidence. She's not a child anymore because of the big fight that they had about the outfit and then having to basically suffer through the ball. And then she's confident in her role as Mrs. DeWinter because he never loved his dead wife that he murdered yeah like there's a part of me that's like good for you for finally realizing that like you don't have to live in someone's shadow and yeah he married you because he wanted you and yes at this point it kind of like you can come to terms with the fact that like he's so gun shy about anything that would remind him of 
Rebecca that like he's just kind of trying to go with the flow and this is why he's the way he is not excusing it at all but just like and and then it even is explained that like Beatrice and Giles like nobody and Frank none of them told her about this because they're all embarrassed and it's like cool I get that however (laughs) he killed her let's not just skip over that (laughs) (laughs) because she skips right over that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, she's instantly like, I am by your side. It's all good. Oh, because you didn't love her? I'm here. I'm right here yes. by you. And because you and she say really you is. love me. But really, does right. he? Like, I don't know. Right. Right. Because <sighs> then, of course, they ID the body. Yep. And it's it's Rebecca. Like, there's even though it's, it's been in the water for a very long time, they're still able to tell that it's her. And the magistrate, I think it is, Colonel Julian. Mm-hmm. Is that, he's a magistrate? Yes. I think. Yeah. He comes to tell them and they have like a lunch and talk about it. But like what was interesting to me was that they talk about it and then they talk about something else like the dog or the weather or this or that. And then back to the body and how it's unfortunate that you did, you know, identify that other body. Anytime that Firth was in the room, they could they talked about something else. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then because Frank was also there, too. Yes. Um, And Frank tried to say that, you know, it's understandable that Max made that mistake because it was only a couple months later and he wasn't well. And of course, Max is like, I was, I was not unwell. And it's like, let him make excuses for you for the love of God. Because our narrator picks up on certain looks and facial expressions of Frank. And she knows that Frank knows that, that Max did this. Frank never confirms that with her, but Frank right. totally knows. They never talk about it, yeah. but he knows 100%. Yes. Also, um, Colonel Julian definitely knows by the end of it, too. Oh, he won. I don't know if he knew at this point, but yeah. he 100% knows by the end. Yes. Because um, they're going to do the formal inquest. Right. Just to make sure that, you know, like, hey, we're going to go through this just to make sure there actually was no foul play. And right. that, like, yeah, everything that we said about her dying is true. And everybody's ready to accept that until the boat maker comes in. Oh, the boat builder. The boat builder is like, I think because he says something about how he lost some business yes. because he built that boat. And then people were like, oh, it capsized. So you're not going to build my boat. Um, so he is adamant that he is a good boat builder. He knows what he's doing. She was also a good sailor, very experienced. And he's the one who points out the holes in the planks. He's like, well, what about those? Because I didn't put those there, yes. basically, like. I didn't sell a boat with holes. (laughs) And by this point, I was like, good God, what else could happen? Right, because then it keeps like, it just just keeps keeps going. Going. Because like the other thing too was the narrator was going to stay in the car during the inquest, which I was like, you're going to stay in the car. Like you're not Jasper anymore. I mean, not that you should leave a dog in the car, but. No, but she's still a woman, you know. But she goes inside. And I know that we wouldn't have seen it if our narrator hadn't gone in to see it yes but then she starts to feel faint because it's very warm mrs danvers is there the cousin jack favel is there and she starts to faint and i was just like this is a a, a bad time to yes. be fainting if we want to look innocent but it actually <laughs> is the perfect time because yeah. it's right at the time that maxim has been asked you know how was your marriage to your first wife and like right. because she fainted he remembered what he was trying to live for and i was like oh right. my god i hate this right I, not that i hate that it was just like I'm sorry. It's okay to have a marriage of convenience. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So. So Frank takes our narrator home. Yeah. And then she's basically there worrying and waiting. Worrying and waiting. 
And then Max comes home and he says, it's over. They ruled it a suicide. We're done. No, we're not done. <laughs> nope. I was like, cool, book's done. No. In fact, Jack so is back. The, ugh, his cousin and his damn letter. He has a letter I from her. I have a lot her. of thoughts to say about this. So he has a letter from Rebecca that basically is from the day that she died. And he's t- she's telling him to come to the cottage. She's going to wait because they're... Like, she needs to talk to him, so he has to come to the cottage. So his whole thing is, she A, he doesn't believe she would have killed herself because that's not her personality. Because, right. whatever. B, that she clearly made an appointment to talk to me, essentially. Why would she have killed herself? We right. didn't talk. She didn't tell me whatever this was. Now, my brain, first of all, was like, are you fucking cousins or are you lovers? And the answer is, <laughs> both. we're both. God damn it. but anyways he presents this letter and then he's like i didn't i I didn't get it until late because i was at a party or something and he's like basically trying to bribe maxim and he's like if you pay me off then i will not you know go to any of the authorities and they're like well why didn't you bring it up in court he's like because i wanted to bribe you um right so he's like fine so he calls colonel julian and they start down this long path so, which I really liked that he called his bluff, but then I, I was too. like, "Oh God, how's this gonna go?" But Same. then every time something new popped up. But my first thought oh my was God. like, "You show me this letter. This letter is proof that she asked you to be somewhere. You maybe killed her. Like you're claiming yeah. that you're a party. Do you that have was evidence? my thing. I know. Yes. At no point was anybody like, "Well, how do we know you didn't fucking kill her?" Right. Where were you the night of the cottage event? Or you know what I mean? Like I, that was Colonel my Julian thinking. If I was Max, never, I would have said that because he Julian admits never asks. Yeah, he admits that they were lovers. So it, it to the colonel as well. Like he admits it to Max, but then when the colonel's there, he also says it to Colonel Julian. So he puts it out there, and at no time does anyone say, "So did you murder her because she wouldn't leave her husband for you yeah. or something like, like that?" Anything along that line. Reasonable doubt. But it, yeah, it's. Oh, he's also convinced that, like, he's Rebecca's true love. She truly loved him and was, like, you know, all about Again, him, et cetera, et cetera. Did you kill her because she wouldn't leave yeah. her husband yeah. for you? I just, this whole part, I really liked this whole seesaw of, like, yes. the calling the bluff. And then he's like, oh, so you want a witness? Because Colonel Julian's like, there's no witnesses. You, you're showing me a letter. This isn't proof of anything. Right. And so they call in Ben. And then it was like, oh, my God, is Ben going to Well, so he's like, like, we're going to call in a witness. And it was like, oh, God, they're going to call Mrs. Danvers, who's literally going to say, like, anything about, like, Rebecca against Maxim, like, basically. And, and they're like, Ben. And I was like, okay. But then I was like, is he going to say something? Yes. Because he's all, he said to our narrator, I never said anything. And he said it multiple times to her. If right. he says that once to any of these people in this situation, they're going to be like, well, what is it that you're yes. not telling us? But he doesn't. No. He's, he's, he's very scared. He's terrified he's going to get thrown into an asylum. And my poor, right. my heart just broke for the man. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I don't know who you are. To Jack. Fuck. Right. Because Jack's I've like, never I've seen, seen you many times. He's like, I don't, I've never seen you before. Right. He's like, you saw me go into the cabin. He's like, no, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, they just let him go almost as quickly because he's right. like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on here. And then he's like, all right, fine. Mrs. Danvers, who, right. like, Rebecca said, Mrs. Danvers would basically stand up for Rebecca. And but instead, he's she, like, you know, we were lovers and she was madly in love with me. And she's like, no. And he's like, stop lying. Of course. And she's like, no, she wasn't in love with you. And I was just like, yep, shit. She was like, she wasn't in love with you. 
or with Mr. DeWinter. She was not in love with anyone. She despised all men. She was above all that. (laughs) And then she says, lovemaking was a game with her, only a game. She told me so. She did it because it made her laugh. She laughed at you like she did all the rest. (laughs) So apparently I forgot. So yes, Mrs. Danvers did know what what she was up to, or at least, yeah. Oh yeah, she was fully aware. Because at this up to this point, I didn't, I wasn't super worried about Mrs. Danvers for Max, just because she didn't seem very much against Max at this point. Yes, to our narrator, she was not a fan, but she never seemed to have any ill will towards Max. Right. Even she was upset. Like one of the things she says to the narrator when the narrator confronts her is Max didn't care about her, Mrs. Danvers' pain and having to see a new wife in the house so soon after the first one died and hearing the words Mrs. DeWinter being spoken, but not about her Rebecca. Right. But she still didn't seem to harbor a lot of ill will. So I wasn't super worried about her. Um, but it also seems like she knows that Maxim killed her. At this point, I didn't think she did until she realizes what Frank is, that Frank is implying that because then she gives a look to Max and that's when oh, she like right. seems super. That's right. Yeah. Um, because she presents the um, the appointment diary yes. because there was some time that they were questioning what did Rebecca do in London between leaving this note for what's his name and coming back or no she had a hair appointment she, she had a hair appointment so between the hair appointment basically ending and leaving the note and coming back or there was like some time that they're like what did she do and then they pull out the appointment book that it goes, of course, Mrs. Danvers kept everything. And this is where I was back on the seesaw of, oh, my God, what's that going to say? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the same. I was like, I don't know what this is going to. I was like, it's clearly going to be a doctor that's going to tell them that she's pregnant. Yes. And they do. They do some good detective work with trying to figure yeah. out just by the last name and a number that it's a retired women's doctor named Dr. Baker. Yes, and at this point, Colonel Julian's like, okay, something's weird here. But it's good. Like, at no point is it like, but dude, you had a letter to meet her. Yes, because this is where I was like, if she was pregnant at the time, one could argue, Max, that the cousin who's saying that they're truly in love and they are the ones who are supposed to be together, that he was mad that she was having her husband's baby. Exactly, yeah. And murdered her. Or was pregnant with his baby, but wouldn't leave hus- the husband and was going to pass right. the baby off as the husband's baby. But that just her not leaving was why he murdered her. Yeah. Also, like you got some reasonable doubt here. First cousin shouldn't. I shouldn't know you should not. Errors. No, should not. Um, so then, of course, it's night, so they can't like go find this doctor. So we have to wait until the next day. And I think this is the time Seesaw. where like. What? Like a seesaw of just oh, like yeah. the waiting game and like. Our narrator packing up a bag because they might have to stay in London yes. for a while. And the tears in her eyes when the, she, they left Manderley. This Not sure why she felt those, had those tears, but that's how she was feeling. Also, they have like a super passionate kiss. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, mm, at this point, the number of times you've sat at his feet. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's just icky to me. Yeah. So they find the doctor. Jack's there, too, because he was not going to let this happen. He didn't want Max going alone. So Colonel Julian said, who is by this point suspicious, um, is going to go. And then Jack wants to go because he's family of Rebecca. They they can't stop him. But he does say you have to be sober because he'd been drinking. (laughs) Yes. At that that point. So 
Um, we find out the doctor is a did see her. She went in under the name Mrs. Danvers, and the reason that he saw her was because she has cancer. She had had tests done the week before, or two weeks before, or something like that, and was getting the results. And the results were that she had a very rare cancer and that it was too late for surgery. Sorry, not a very rare cancer. She had a cancer. We don't know much yeah. about it. And honestly, back in the 30s, I doubt there was much they could have done anyways. Right. The doctor says in three, just three to four months' time, she would have been under morphia. Um, an yes. operation would have been no earthly use at all. And that he did tell her that. Yes. And that also she couldn't have kids because... It wasn't because of the cancer. I think it was something because of her uterus. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, she was going to die, and it was going to be painful. Right. right. So Colonel Julian is taking this as, this is why she killed herself. Yes. So they thank the doctor. They get a copy of the report. That's that. Jack is shaken by the news, but then he's mad because he's like, oh, great. Max, you have a way out. Yes. Because this is what, what the the doctor report is um but, the but then he does says, it huh they also tell him like hey bribing is illegal and like we're gonna let you go but like don't do this shit again yeah stay away yeah but then he says that he can get max in other ways and he's laughing and it's like oh great <laughs> what are you doing and colonel julian is basically when he when the three of the the narrator, Max and Colonel Julian drive off. He's talking about it, about how this could set any woman off and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, you're Max's good friend and you're glad, or yes. that at least a friend, you're glad that you have this to use as an excuse because you also know that he did this by now. Yes. By this point, everybody's clear that Maxim has killed her, but mm-hmm. yeah. Then Maxim kind of reveals that, He's mad. Not mad. It's just like she won is what he says. Because in the end, she manipulated him to kill her and she won. So, I mean, in a way she did commit suicide. But, yeah. He's pissed because he got manipulated right at the end. Yeah. So. Um, And then they decide to immediately drive back to um, Manderley. And they get word that Mrs. Danvers has left suddenly. Yeah, they stop for dinner. And I think he calls to check in. Because originally yes. the plan was they were going to stay overnight. And then Max just has a bad feeling. And they're going to drive all night to get there. But Mrs. Danvers left. She took all her stuff. She didn't say anything to anyone. She's just gone. And we'll find out she burned down the house. And she was on the way out. Oh. I did have... I did like this one thing, though. <laughs> Not related to that. Where... When the narrator's talking about it, they're having a fish dinner, but it was lobster. And I was like, oh, this is how we refer to lobster. It's just a, <laughs> just a regular old fish dinner. <laughs> it's just a fish dinner. You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, let's see. That, um, I guess they got a phone call. Or Mrs. Danvers got a phone call and then she left. So they were thinking that Jack Favel called. Probably, And must have told her of everything that happened, and then she left. Um, Because I also had a moment of, did she burn down the house, or did Jack burn down the house? Did he somehow get there before them? But if he stayed to drink, he probably didn't. He just talked to Mrs. Dampers, and she did it. No, she definitely burned down the house. And um, that's actually where it ends, is like them coming up on Manderley, where the house is burning. Yep. 
happened. I hope the people got out. I hope yeah. Jasper, the dog, got oh, out. God. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. Yep. But they've been living, if you go back, like going back to the first right. couple chapters, hotel to hotel, staying in the smaller ones to avoid his friends. Yes. So, but the guy, you know, are they going to rebuild? Are they going to buy a house somewhere else? A lot Maybe of, especially when they find out Rebecca was on the boat, a lot of the chatter is about how um, this will resolve quickly. But God, the gossip and the reporters and stuff, that's going to be the hassle mm-hmm. and the issue. And... Like, that is really harped on. So I can understand them, you know, hiding out, yeah. essentially. So, and that is Rebecca. Yep. We can add another classic to our list of books that we've read. Yes, we can. This was <laughs> a good one. Oh. So, got a book drink? Oh, man. Whiskey and soda. I think that was Jack that, Bobble's that drink. Jack's drink. <laughs> I kept picturing... or brandy. Brandy gets mentioned. Oh, brandy's a lot. good too. I don't too. know if I've ever had just mint brandy. I don't know if I have either. I just kept picturing like a woman with a glass of red wine and the like silk house robes, just like <laughs> dramatically running around. That's all I kept picturing. <laughs> I mean, I actually probably drank a couple Smirnoff ices while I was reading this, but nice. <laughs> yeah so one of those or sherry because i think that gets thrown around too yes. yes sure they have coffee and tea but no like the whiskey and soda sherry brandy yep. something like that yep. <laughs> something with a side of social anxiety mm. all right so before we talk about what we're gonna read for the podcast next what are you gonna read in between episodes I'm going to have to keep my same answer. The last days of the Incas. I'm going to finish it this time because I want to move on to reading something else. Because I still have a book of sonnets by what's the poet that we did. If you had not asked me, I would have, would have remembered it. Edna St. Vincent Millay. Yes, I have a collection of sonnets from the library from her because I want to read that. But I'm like, I got to get through the last days of the Incas. So those are the next two I want to read. <laughs> Is it still good at least? Like you're enjoying it and it's not just like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. Yeah. I've just been lazy and like, I got a new job. I'm just trying to relax <laughs> as much as possible because I got to tell you, my motivation is just. No, I get it. <sighs> really dipped. <laughs> couple it with a couple of long weekends and. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of long weekends, are you going to do 24 and 48 this time around? It is um, the I, 20th and 21st. I think so. I was waiting to see if we were doing anything that weekend, I think, or going anywhere. I think we're staying home. Okay. Looking at the calendar right now. I don't see anything on it, so I think we're staying home. So I should, as long as we're home, then yes, I will be. Are you? I am definitely doing it. I'm very much looking nice. forward to it. An excuse nice. to do nothing but lay on the couch and read sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have one thing planned that weekend. a cinnamon bun. Yes. <laughs> Find a beach maybe and just lay down. Yeah. Yeah. Get a lobster roll. Get some oh. lobsters. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know what you're going to read next? Uh, not for the podcast. I have three books I just started. Oh, okay. Um, so the first book is Parkland 
Birth of a Movement by Dave, by Dave Cullen. It is about, of course, the school shooting. Um, and I don't remember how this one ended up on my list, but it did. <laughs> and I have, like, I picked it up and was like, nope, maybe I'm not quite ready. And then I picked it up and I was like, mm. so I'm going to try to power through it because I am curious because I do think that Parkland is kind of a turning point for us, like mm-hmm. Columbine was as well. Um, and hopefully that something towards something good towards you know more regulations and and laws um but on top of that i am also reading a shot of a shot of murder which is a cozy mystery book and swipe right for murder (laughs) which is (laughs) i did not intend for all these to be kind of death related sorry um which is a ya kind of like it's about a kid that like the FBI is after him, a murder cult's after him. And basically oh. he swiped right on a dating app, um, met up with a guy, hooked up, and then the guy ended up dead and all these people are after oh, him. Oh dear. So, <laughs> yeah. Teenage boys be cool. horny. Like that's all I got. <laughs> so I'm hoping to finish all of these by the next time. I should at least be done with one of them. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm back in the swing of, like, I don't know what I want to read, so I'm just going to start a bunch of things and see what sticks. Cool. So, um, but for next time, we are doing a book that was assigned to us in school that we either hated or did not finish. And we are going with The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, which was a book that I read in high school and, according to my Goodreads, hated. Um... (laughs) That I do feel like I probably will have some kind of different reaction now. We'll see. Um, but that you did not, you actually did not read in high school. I don't believe so. It was not assigned in school. Okay. And it's entirely possible I started reading it on my own and didn't finish it. But I lump that together with The Crucible and House of Seven Gables. So yes. it could have been one of those I started and didn't finish. <laughs> was one of them a play? Because I think The Crucible's a play. If it's a play, then I can rule that out because there's def- there was I there's a book. Fairly certain the Crucible is a play. I don't know. It's all Puritan literature. Yay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why we decided to do school in the summer because between Rebecca, which was a classic <laughs> that we we hadn't read before, which could have gone very differently. I think we picked a great mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, then we did it's some poetry. Yeah, we did some poetry. <laughs> Um, we've also, you know, next is a book that's assigned. And then after that, we're going to talk about a book that's translated. So it's all kind of like more intellectual, I guess, yeah. than what we, uh, normally read. So it's kind of fun. Maybe yeah. not for summer, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. So, um, do you have anything you want to plug before we close this out? Um, for now I don't. Okay. Just us. Yeah. Awesome. How about you? Um, you can find me on my website, which is meggriffin.com, which is Meg with two Gs. Um, I post book reviews and um, occasionally TV shows reviews about what I'm watching at the time, work and process. It, it, basically anything's there. So <laughs> uh, you can find there and all my other podcasts through there. Uh, as for us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at JBC Pod. Sorry, JBC Podcast. 
Um, we also have a Facebook group, which is a handbook for judging fabulous retellings. If you want to join us in with 24 and 48, which both highly recommend it, it's really hot. Just imagine like laying around and doing nothing but reading in front of a fan for, you know, a weekend. And yep. if that doesn't make you just like sigh with happiness, I don't know why you listen to us. But um, <laughs> it is 24and48.com and... Um, also be on the lookout because I think I know a bunch of indie bookstores just did a f- um, raise money for um, um, I just lost my train of thought. Races is that what it is? R A I C E S. Yes. Yes. Um, and for you know the people that are in the camps down there, um, I think they're planning on doing another round of that at some point soon, but I don't know. But I will post information if that is. If you are not able to donate, but you need to buy books, it's a great way to do both. So um, I think that's all I got. <laughs> um, so join us again in two weeks and keep supporting your local libraries. Yay. <laughs>